Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are risen. We thank you that you are a risen savior and you are mighty indeed, Lord. You have defeated death. You have defeated the grave, Lord. You have taken away the sting of death. And Lord, thank you that we can walk in newness of life because we are raised together with you. Lord, this morning I pray that you would breathe life into our souls, life into our hearts as we come and we, we feast upon your word. And we pray, Lord, that through your word you would speak to us this morning, a message that speaks directly to our situations and our lives. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. You know, without a doubt, we have to say that Jesus of Nazareth is the most significant person who has ever walked the face of this earth. There's no questioning that. This man caused a revolution, such a revolution, a worldwide movement, which now spans all cultures, which crosses all borders. Uh, it is a movement of people that is growing even to this day, a movement of people who have been driven and moved by this man, Jesus Christ, who have been inspired to do radical and selfless things. They've become fearless, fearless followers who are willing to do anything, go, willing to go anywhere and willing to give everything because of this man, Jesus Christ. He has played such a pivotal role in shaping our history and shaping society that we even divide all of history based on before him and after him. That's a pretty significant person. So the question we must ask when we look at these facts, when we consider this man, Jesus Christ, the question we must ask is this, who is this man and what did he do that was so special? What did he do that now 2,000 years later he is still at the forefront of people's minds? He's still at the forefront of conversations. He's still at the forefront of debate. What did he do that was so significant, that was so special, that was so different? And there is one answer to that question and it is the reason we are gathered today. And the answer is the resurrection. For the first 30 years of Jesus' life he lived a very simple quiet life in a dusty rural town in the Middle East. But from age 30, Jesus began a public ministry, teaching about the kingdom of God, healing the sick, performing miracles. This ministry only lasted for three years because in the third year of Jesus' ministry, during a trip to the city of Jerusalem, he was arrested and he was executed on a cross by Roman authorities at the request of Jewish mobs. At the time of his death, Jesus had only a few dozen committed followers. Much like today, many people were interested in Jesus. Many people were intrigued by this man, but yet there were only a handful who were truly committed followers of his. In fact, when Jesus was taken into custody, when he was finally executed by the Roman authorities, many of the followers that he did have turned away from him. They scattered, they dispersed. And so think about that and then think about this. How do we get from this man hanging on a cross, dying, abandoned and alone, to all appearances completely defeated? How do we get from that man to the Jesus we know today as the greatest man who ever lived, as the most influential, significant person who's ever lived, who's not only revered around the world, but who is worshipped by millions, perhaps even billions, who inspired a movement 
of multitudes of fearless followers who for now nearly 2,000 years have gone out and have changed the world in his name. How do we get from the cross to where we are today knowing Jesus the way we know him today? How that happened is that on the third day after he was crucified, Jesus rose from the dead. And that changed everything. That was the game changer. When Jesus died, do you know what happened? This handful of followers that he had, they were completely dejected. And they dispersed, they scattered. They had believed, this was their opinion of Jesus until this point, they had believed that they were part of a political campaign to institute Jesus as the new king of Israel. And because they were close to him, they believed that they would be part of his cabinet. They would help to rule the country along with him. But now, Jesus has died. The campaign is over, it's done, it's time to go do something else with our life, right? It's time to go find a job and move on. And all these people who had been intrigued by Jesus, who had followed him and had listened to him and had crowded around him, they also carried on with their lives. But when Jesus rose from the dead, that changed everything. These disciples who had scattered when Jesus was crucified, they came together again and they began preaching to everyone who would listen and the message they preached was no longer a message of political change but it was now a message of salvation of the soul through faith in Jesus Christ. It was a message of forgiveness and justification and redemption and eternal life. Whereas before the resurrection, the disciples, those who followed Jesus, those who observed him, they viewed his death as a defeat. Now after the resurrection, they saw that his death was not a defeat at all, but in fact it was a victory. And they began to preach this message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This message that his death means no death for us. His resurrection means our resurrection. The gospel message that Jesus Christ took our place in his death that we might receive his life. In fact, the impact that the resurrection had on the lives of the people who saw Jesus after he rose from the dead is one of the greatest evidences that it did indeed happen. Think about this. The biggest accusation, the biggest thing that these people could bring up who denied that the resurrection had happened, they said that Jesus' disciples merely stole his body and hid it somewhere. That's what they said. The problem with that is this. These followers of Jesus, these ones who claim to have seen Jesus alive, their lives changed radically. Think about this too. What did these people have to gain from this claim that Jesus had risen from the dead? What, what did this benefit them to claim that they had seen this man risen from the dead? Did they gain fame or wealth or notoriety? Not at all. In fact, they, they received just the opposite. They were hated. They were disowned by their families. They were persecuted. Even their families were persecuted. Their families suffered and some were even put to death. All for this claim that Jesus had risen from the dead. All they had to do to get out of that, all they had to do to avoid suffering, to avoid their family suffering, was to say, hey, we just made this up. We took his body and we hid it and it's right over here. Let me show you where it is. But nobody did that. Do you realize that? Nobody did that. Not even one. I know this, that as a husband, as a father, I would never let my family suffer for something which I knew to be a lie. 
And it's not just two or three people we're talking about here. We're talking about hundreds of people. The gospel tells us that, or the Bible tells us that hundreds of people saw Jesus alive after he was resurrected. And they were so transformed by this. They were so transformed by this that they went out and they began to boldly proclaim to everyone who would listen that Jesus had risen from the dead, even to the point of persecution, even to the point of death. These people became missionaries. These people left their homes. They went to far off lands to proclaim this message. It was that important to them. Many of them gave up their lives for the message that they preached, but that did not slow down the movement. They were quickly replaced by hundreds of others who came and filled their shoes and continued preaching this message of the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, to every nation, to every people, so that all could be saved. So we must say this, Jesus without a doubt is the most significant, influential person who's ever walked the face of this earth. But it was not the words that he spoke or even the miracles that he performed primarily that had the greatest impact. You know what it was? It was the resurrection. And the message and the meaning of the resurrection, the message we preach here today is this, that Jesus did not come to make bad men do good things. Jesus came to make dead men live. Amen? Jesus made some very radical claims. To say, as people often do today, that Jesus was nothing more than a teacher of morality who taught people how to live better lives and how to get along is really to ignore many of the radical claims that Jesus made. And among his most radical claims was this one. In John chapter 11, speaking to a woman who had just lost her brother, Jesus says this, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? The context into which Jesus said these words is actually very interesting. Jesus had some good friends. We read about them numerous times throughout the Gospels. They were siblings, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were brothers and sisters, right? Well, Lazarus at one point got sick. And Mary and Martha, they knew that Jesus had healed people before, so they send word to Jesus to come quickly because Lazarus is sick and he's at the point of death. So Jesus comes, but before he gets there, Lazarus passes away. And what does Jesus do when he arrives and they, they tell him that Lazarus has passed away? What does Jesus do? Well, he weeps. Isn't that interesting? Jesus weeps. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. And then the next thing that Jesus does, he speaks into this tragic situation. And this is what he says to Martha, Lazarus' sister. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Let me tell you why that's interesting. Jesus is about to raise Lazarus from the dead. That's what, that's what makes this story interesting. He's about to raise this man from the dead. It's going to be one of Jesus' greatest miracles. But here's the thing. Before he performs this miracle, while he still has Martha's full attention, he does two things. He weeps with her and he explains the gospel to her. Do you get that? That's really, really interesting. The 
he explains the gospel to her. That is the hope that he gives her. He says that all those who put their faith in him as Lord and Savior, they will live forever. They will have eternal life. That's the hope that Jesus gives to Martha. That is how he consoles her with the message of the gospel. He doesn't tell her, interestingly enough, Martha, it's going to be okay. In about 10 minutes, I'm going to raise your brother from the dead and he'll be back with you. So there's no reason to cry. Everything's going to be all right. He doesn't do that. Think about this. If Jesus is about to raise this man from the dead, then why does he weep that he has died? And why, why does he console Martha with the gospel message rather than encouraging her or consoling her with the fact that he's about to raise this man from the dead? Here's why. Because even though Jesus is going to resurrect Lazarus, someday, not too long afterwards, after this, Lazarus is going to get sick again. And he's going to die again. And that time it's going to be for good. Think about this. Jesus healed a lot of people during his ministry, right? But eventually, all of those people got sick again, and they died. None of them are still alive today. And so before he tells her that he's going to heal her brother, while he still has her attention, Jesus wants to make sure that her hope is in the gospel and not in the things of this world, not even in getting her brother back, not in having a good life. He wants her hope to be in the gospel her hope and our hope too. I hope you realize this. This is why we're here because our hope needs to be in something greater than this life. It needs to be in something greater than the things of this world. Jesus once said, what does it benefit a man if he gains the whole world but yet loses his own soul? That's what Jesus tells Martha. He tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He gives her a hope that goes beyond the temporal things of this world, that goes beyond this fleeting life, that goes beyond just getting back her brother whom she's lost. He gives her a hope that goes beyond all of this. And here's what we're here to talk about today. Jesus didn't come to make bad men do good things. Jesus came to make dead men live. Jesus wept with Martha. Even though he's about to heal her brother, even though he's about to bring him back from the grave, why did Jesus weep? Last week, I did a funeral. Um, and you know, funerals are never easy. But this one was especially hard. It was uh, some dear friends of mine who I, I spent years with in ministry, and um, they lost their young son, just a little boy, and it was tragic, and it was heartbreaking. And I have to tell you this, that even though I am confident that this little boy is in heaven, that the Lord has taken him to be with him, in spite of that, we cried together, me and my friends, we wept. Now why would we weep if we know that this baby's in heaven? Well, there's a good reason. It's part of humanity, right? Because when we are faced with sickness and death, and especially when we're faced with the death of a child, we, we have this instinctive feeling that this is not right, that it shouldn't be this way. This is not what we were made for, right? We all understand that death is part of life in this broken world that we live in, that we're all gonna have to face it at some point, sooner or later. Everyone will, it's just a question of when and how. But yet, in spite of the fact that we know that this is 
part of life, we have this innate feeling that it's wrong, that it shouldn't be this way, that it's not fair. We have the sense, the belief, the feeling that death is a thief. And God's word tells us that there's a very good reason we feel that way, and it's this, because we were created to live forever. Do you know that? You were created to live forever. We were made for more than this. We were made for more than this that we see around us, that we experience. We were made for more than just a few decades here on this planet, hurtling around the sun, you know, just filled with toil and sweat and tears, characterized by frustration because the things that we long for in our heart of hearts are things which this world is incapable of providing for us. The reason Jesus wept with Martha is because he sympathizes with her because he knows that death is a thief. He weeps because he knows what we feel in our heart of hearts, that we were made for more than this. And the hope of the resurrection, the hope that Jesus wants Martha to have firmly secured in her heart, the hope that we want you, the hope that the Lord wants you to have firmly secured in your heart, is this, that whoever puts their faith in Jesus, though they die, yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in him will never die. Jesus came to make dead men and dead women live, both now and for eternity. In Ephesians chapter 2, God's word says this. It says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved you, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. In the story of the creation, it tells us that God created man in his image, in his own image. And that's a multifaceted thing. We can break that down a lot. But here's part of that image that God created us in. Alone out of all creation, God created us in his image with an eternal spirit. We were made to know God and we were made to live forever. But when sin entered the world, we died. Do you know that? We died it caused our spirit, that part of us that was made to know God, that part of us that was made to live forever, it caused it to die. And so people walk through life living only half the life that they were created to live. They're alive physically, but they are dead spiritually. And the message of the gospel, which we read here, is that Jesus came to make you alive to God. He came to make you alive in your spirit that you might connect with God, that you might know God, that you might live forever just as God created you to. Here's what the gospel is, that his death means no death for us. His resurrection means our resurrection. His death on the cross, in his death, he took your sins upon himself that you might be made alive in your spirit. And by being alive in your spirit that you might live life the way it was designed and intended to be lived. He came to make dead men and dead women like you and I alive to God for eternity. But notice the last part of what Jesus says to Martha. Jesus says to her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. And here's the thing he says at the end. Do you believe this? He's saying, what about you, Martha? What about you? Do you believe this, Martha? And that's the same question that Jesus would present to you this morning. Do you believe? How about you? Whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And here's the challenge. What about you? What about you? Do you believe? If you will put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God will make you alive in your spirit. That you might enter into a relationship with God. That you might live forever. And here's the thing. Here's what that happens. If you, here's what happens when you have that. If you have the hope of the resurrection, if you have the hope of eternal life, do you know what happens? It changes everything about the way that you live presently. It does. It changes everything about how you live presently. Do you know why it's hard for people to face difficulty in this life? Do you know why it's hard to accept it? Do you know why it's so hard to do the right thing when you know that it will cost you something, when you know that it will cost you money or perhaps your reputation or perhaps even your life? Do you know why that's so hard? Do you know why it's hard to face your death or the death of a loved one? The reason it's so hard is because we have a tendency and it's so easy to believe that this life is the only life we will have. That this money is the only, money, only riches we will ever have. That these bodies are the only bodies we will ever have. But here's the thing. If Jesus is risen, then your future is so much more beautiful and it is so much more certain than that. The gospel message gives us hope for eternal life. And it's that hope of eternal life that gives us enormous confidence and strength to live this life today. Because we know that this, isn't, this money we have is not the only riches we will ever have. This life is not the only life we will have if we are in Christ. This body is not the only body I will have. This life with its joys and its sorrows, it's but a moment. But then comes eternity. In which you, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, in which you have the promise of life as it was intended to be lived in which you will receive a new body and there will be a new heavens and a new earth and you will live without the burden and the curse of sin. And what that means for you today is this, that you can be free from the anxieties of this life. People who don't have the hope of eternal life, they walk through life in bondage to fear. Do you know that? Fear, fear of losing things, fear of the it's bondage to the fear of death is how the Bible calls it because they believe that this short life is all they've got. God's word says, if we hope in this life only, then we are of all people most to be pitied because this life is fleeting. The Bible says that it is a mist that appears for a short time and then vanishes and we don't know what tomorrow will bring. But if you have the hope of the resurrection, because you have been born again to new life in Jesus Christ, then that makes you a free person. You are free in this life. Do you realize that? It sets you free from these ultimate anxieties of life. You're free to be brave. You're free to take risks. Because you know what? If you fail, well then so what? Right? Because this life is short. And if glory awaits you, 
then who would want to live this life too cautiously? Who would want to be afraid, live this life afraid of losing everything that you can't hold on to anyways? Jim Elliott, he was a missionary to Ecuador and he eventually did give his life in service to the Lord. He said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep in order to gain that which he cannot lose. I'm here to tell you, friends, you cannot keep your life. It's going sooner or later. You can't keep your life. But if you will give your life to the Lord, if you will give it up to him and put it in his hands, then you will gain something which can never be lost. You will gain eternal life. You will gain eternal riches. Do you know why those early Christians who I talked about earlier, do you know why they were able to be so fearless? Why they were able to preach Christ even at the cost of their own lives? It was because they had the hope of the resurrection. It was because they understood the gospel. That his death means no death for us. That his resurrection means our resurrection. And when you really take hold of that, that empowers you to incredible confidence in this life because of the hope of the life to come. That you know that this is not the only life you will have. The hope of the gospel is the hope of the resurrection. The promise of life the way it was meant to be lived. It, that gives us hope in death and confidence in life. And that is all ours by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who will believe. The question for you today is the same question that Jesus posed to Martha. Do you believe? I encourage you today, put your faith in Jesus Christ that you might be made alive in your spirit. Amen? Let's stand and pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the new life that we have in you. Lord, we thank you that you died for our sins, that you rose from the grave, that we might have eternal life. And I pray for everyone here who has put their faith in you for their salvation, that you would help them to see their life in the light of the eternal hope of the resurrection that they would be free from the anxieties of this life because this is not the only life we will have. That they might be confident in life just as they are hopeful in death. And I pray for anyone here today who has not yet put their faith in you as Lord and Savior. Lord, they, those people know who they are. And I pray that even now you would move on their hearts, that they might believe that they might come alive in their spirit and that they might know you, God, and that they might live forever. Amen? Amen. Right now, uh, we're gonna do something.